Welcome. It is a little ditty we like to call 814 Takedown. My name is Joe Lednuski, and I have marginal talent and none on the mat. However, my buddy, co-host, co-conspirator, <laughs> Matt Hill, who is the head wrestling coach at Edinburgh University. Yes, they wear skirts, cut them some slack. Is the sidekick. So in this first, maybe last, I don't know. We have, <laughs> it could be. The, we do have an email account, though. There you go. So you can email us questions at 814takedown at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter account, which is at 814takedown. So Matt is going to do double duty today. Matt is going to be the co-host and the guest. And maybe if this is good, we'll get like, although you are a real guest, I suppose. You're one of what? How many Division One programs are there in America these days? 72? I was going to say 83. I don't know why I picked I, well, I was just making that up. I 79. Know. I forget. I got to look into it. No, it's, it's, it's more than 72. So it's like up to 79, 78. So anyway, I mean, you are, you know, there, you know you, there's, there are more NFL Hall of Famers than there are Division One wrestling coaches. So, I mean, you, have you ever thought of it that way? I had ne- never crossed my mind once. <laughs> See, that's why I'm the, I'm, my talent is in nah, – now I have no talent. So anyway, but this is a weird dynamic, Matt, because, A, I've never done a podcast before. So it's very strange, this whole concept of me and you literally just sitting here talking to one another, recording it for people to consume it later is very bizarre. But that being said, we are in a very strange – place not only in in society quite frankly but in the sports world yeah the nil name image and likeness is now i mean this is now a platform i don't know could you theoretically recruit from that i mean it's a weird thing but i'm i'm not a i'm sort of like the old get off my lawn guy like i i listen to a couple but this is this is social media and podcasting is going to only continue to grow. Yes. Um, recruiting off it, no. You can't recruit off it. It's supposed to be out of the recruiting conversations. Per my education towards that uh, new NIL rules and new NLI opportunities. But uh, every, it's a, it's a, everything changes day to day. New rules, new environments. So you have to make sure you keep up with them. This is a moving target. And I don't. I, I think the. I think the young entrepreneurs are probably. You know, this is this is literally like where the criminals are ahead of the cops. You know, all the time. You know, and then they and then they have criminals try to teach the cops how to catch the criminal. Like I, I think the evolution of this, when they let the proverbial cat get out of the bag, like I don't really think that they understood, the size and the scope, right? And I don't think I don't think they necessarily thought of the possibility like earlier today brandon smith five-star recruit big deal at penn state tweeted out today that basically he signed on with jay-z and rock nation now only big time penn state fans and recruiting nerds know who this guy is i feel as if a a group like rock nation is just going to get as many dudes in their hand and throw them all against the wall, assuming one of them, two of them, three of them will stick. And it will be a long-term 
business. I mean, how is this going to, how do you think this plays out for your sport? Well, I, 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 not at that level. I think the, uh, it's a very niche sport when it comes to certain products and certain brands. Uh, but we do get more and more uh, recognition through our, some of our sports media outlets and, uh, you know, a guy like Gable Stevenson, he's, he has a lot of opportunities after winning the gold a couple weeks ago or less than a couple weeks ago. And it's just a really interesting uh, dynamic that I think um, in a local, in a local market, it could work out for that particular uh, individual on one's team. Like, you know, look back at the, you know, 2015 team or the year leading up to that with, uh, you know, when Edinburgh took, you know, third in the country, you might be able to get people, in the locality of Edinburgh wanting to uh, sponsor Mitchell Port or a AJ shop or a David habit and guys like that. So, but it's a really interesting, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people are in panic right now. It could settle down a lot over the next year or so. Um, there's still a big ROI, like return on investment question mark for some of these kids that are getting a lot of money thrown at them, thrown at them. And are these companies or these you know organizations going to be making um, money off these kids by throwing out, you know, getting getting their investment back on them. So it'll be interesting to see. Part of me thinks that this is just Pandora's box and, you know, it's it's going to be the wild, wild west. Then the other part of me wonders if in four years does this sort of like lose its luster and momentum. Yeah, that's it, what I was kind of thinking. Like, it's like, because it, it's not like, and the thing that I think is, is, is so crazy, like the 1% is always going to get theirs, you know, like because Zion Williamson had to go to Duke for a year. It's not like, Oh, poor Zion. He didn't make any money. Like he got paid. Yeah. And you know, I, I think we get confused because we, we look at everything in a vacuum when in reality, you know, I mean, you look at how many, and I know it's, I know it's different, but you look at how many NCAA champs there are every year that aren't even for an instant going to sniff, make any, an Olympic roster or are even going to sniff qualifying for a world team. The goal is like your education, really like there is no going pro, but you know, I sort of look at it from the standpoint that if, if you could put on your resume that you were a division one wrestler for four years and you started for three of those years and you were a two time all American, like that ability or that, you know, that demonstration of your ability to graduate and maintain all of this would make you, just as appealing to a future employer as, you know, you got a $25,000 deal over four years at the local car wash. Yeah. I, I'm still anxious to see how this plays out for a lot of guys and the sport of wrestling. Um, it's, it's very unique when it comes to having these media opportunities and these, uh, these abilities to sell yourself, to make money off it. Um, you know, wrestling camps is going to help some of these guys. Some can start their own camp system in college like you couldn't before you can you can uh you know make a lot more money uh, to help you you know train to be one of the best uh, you know while you're in college so that that can uh that can be a, a player and something that can you know really catapult guys into the next level so i'm anxious to see how it all happens i'm not uh you know i i hope it just doesn't get abused and a lot of these uh rtcs and stuff and you know we all they all play on it you know, play the play the the game right, and we make sure we uh, do right by the athletes too. Yeah, that, that will be the the interesting thing. And I and I hope you know, wrestling aside, I hope in a big picture that you know whether it's you know the NBA draft or 
or, or the NFL draft, you see a lot of kids get bad advice all the time. Yeah. And I hope that I hope this NIL stuff isn't alone from somebody that's just trying to make money. That's because yeah. there's there will be children that are given money that their abilities on the field or mat or court don't warrant it. And they, they will find themselves, I think, in a in a mess. Yeah. And, and then with social media world, you don't want those kids to be uh, put in a box and forgotten about. And it's, sometimes it's uh, attention they never deserve. But I guess it's the game we play when you're in those, that big arena. Anyway, so this is the, the maiden voyage. I mean, it, it could be. This yeah, could be definitely the, is. Was it the Titanic? They only had one trip, too, didn't they? I yeah, we can, I don't think we'll sink that quick. <laughs> we might. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> talent is marginal around here. Um, so anyway, the 814 takedown is, I mean, it's not going to be just 814. I mean, we are obviously in 814. But, you know, if you look at 814, this is, an, uh, this is another. I wonder how many other, how many other zip codes could boast three Division One wrestling programs. Or area uh, codes, excuse me. Area codes. Because um, you got, you know, obviously you guys, Clarion, and Penn State. 724, Scott Pitt. But Pitt would be 412. Oh, they are 412. Yeah. What's that new one in the middle of Pittsburgh? It's like eight. I don't know. Yeah. There's supposed to be a new one coming here too, but I hope I, hope I don't have to change uh, I guess, nope, Cleveland, Kent State, no. That's a good question. Might be the maybe that's our that's that's, that's right a good there. trivia right there. That, I think that that is very interesting. Um. So anyway, so we're gonna. It's not going to be just. It's not going to be Edinburgh. It's not going to be Clarion. It's not going to be Penn. It's going to be all of it. Uh. Obviously, we're going to try to. With there are certain rules with Matt's role. We, we can't really dive into the the high school ranks as much. But you know, we can have conversations and we'll have guests and we'll try to we'll try to make it worth your time. Yeah. Um. I think I I grew up I grew up where wrestling is a very different place than it is in a lot of places. You know, District Six is quite different. Well, certainly a lot different now than it was then. But um, you know, Mifflin County, which would be my high school, has done quite well in, in the ranks. But the great irony being is, when I was in school, we were a basketball school. It's very quickly that landscape has changed. Where have you seen in your time, in your how much better, worse, for better or worse, has wrestling in the state gone? And the reason I say that is, is that by and large, we are the Florida that is the college football. I mean, you look at the NCAA, what was there, 100 kids from Pennsylvania at the NCAA or something? A little less than that. Silly. It's uh, usually it's around 60, 60 to 70 Pennsylvania natives that are at the NCAA championships every year. And then you boil it down to all Americans and the national champs. Pennsylvania is usually above everybody in every category. So it's, um, it, it could be lower than that at times, but you know, Pennsylvania usually is the, the high school wrestling Mecca of, of depth and just, you know, overall strength when it comes to getting in the, like performing in college, uh, you know, you look at the international level, like, you know, there are some really good, like New Jersey's crushed it in the international level with the, the world medals and Olympic medals and stuff like that. So does it help you just being in Pennsylvania? I mean, cause you're, you know, there for a while, your, your predecessor, Tim Flynn, I mean, Edinburgh was, you know, the Gonzaga, but wrestling is so unique. And, and, and right now uh, our buddy coach Moore at Lock Haven is, is on an upward trajectory, but I, I think people forget that you know, Edinburgh was not the first 
they were the third. Clarion was the second. And yeah. Lockhaven was the first in terms of these little schools getting to the front of the line and being top flight programs. I mean, does like that tradition, I take a lot of pride in that because I think that's that's really special to be able to, to make a claim that yeah, Edinburgh or Clarion or Lockhaven, you know, has the ability to go compete with the big boys. Yeah, it's you can look at the Lockhaven era when they were crushing it with some national champs and coming up through the ranks and then you have, you know, the you know, Clarion with Coach Bub down there in the eighties and early nineties, amazing teams. And then you had uh, um Deanna and Bruce Baumgartner era come in here and they you know what Bruce and Deanna were able to do their their first two three years in the Division One, um, fully sanctioned is crazy. They took eighth, they took uh, eighth, ninth, and seventh. And the first three years they were uh, in Division One, so it's just nuts. And then yet, you, you know, then you had Bruce take over as head coach, and he had some top ten teams. And then you had you know Tim take over, and uh, I don't know how many top ten finishes, maybe four or five top ten finishes. You know, I know he had two when I was here. He had one right after me, and then he had two other ones. Um, you know, last and of course five. was the coach of the year. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know it, it is really impressive. Uh, you know, when I look, you know, when I was coaching over at Kent State, you're just like, man, it's so cool. Obviously, because I went there, but also the uh, just seeing their success as I was coaching at another institution and just knowing the resources we had and then what Tim and them had here. Now I'm in that same spot. It's just uh, really impressive. And just, you know, you just kind of, you don't take it for granted. I don't, but you know, some people can look past that so easily and it's just so cool. And you, we have a top three, top three uh, team trophy in our office from, you know, six years ago. And, uh, you know, and that's something me and my staff and my, my current, um, athletes can look at and say, Hey, you can do it here, but it, it just takes a lot of work. So. Now, the one thing that, that is, is kind of a, a, a touchy question, but you would be super suited to, to answer this. They always say you want to be the guy that replaces the guy that replaced the legend. Now you've got some big shoes to fill. As you <laughs> mentioned, yeah, there has been a great, trajectory what what has changed obviously roster turnover we won't we won't get into that but obviously roster turnover is is going to be something that's even more prevalent now yeah do you think that will be better or worse for your future endeavors um i lie say if i didn't think about those things you know as a kid happy as you want to jump into the portal uh but i also just know i got to I, I got to, who's the next man up my mentality. I have to have that mentality. So you don't want to lose these guys that you put a lot of time in and a lot of passion and, and you understand their situation. Uh, it, you know, you never can really get, let it get personal, but it's hard not to with, with, uh, the time and investments you put in the kids, but yeah, my mentality is next man up. So if, if things look like they're not fitting you here, um, you know, we'll, we'll shake hands and, you know, good luck. But obviously there's, everybody's going to have their own individual situation where they need to uh, do what's best for them, their family, their academic reasons and stuff like that. So we just got to have an open mind and never burn any bridges. Just make sure you give them the truth and make sure they know you care about them. And also, I always have a, have a make, 
make sure they feel bad leaving you. If you did that, they have a, you know, you did your job. So is it, I mean, you've been in the, in the game for a long time. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it wouldn't be the case for you, but do you ever, do you ever sort of get caught up and forget yourself that, you know, you're out there recruiting and, you know, maybe, maybe Tom Ryan was there last week and maybe Kale's going to be there next week. And maybe John Smith was there the week before. Does it ever sort of, because it, it feels as the, the divide now of the superpowers seems to be like light years away. Like, is that, how do you combat that on the recruiting trail? Cause I mean, obviously you don't, I mean, you, you're, it's, it's not like you're, you know, from, you know, Saginaw Tech. I mean, it's Edinburgh. Anybody that knows wrestling knows who Edinburgh is. But, you know, like to to get to, to compete with those guys on, on the mat, you got to compete with them in living rooms. How do you combat that? Like, I, I've always, often wondered about that. Like, you know, how do you, when you're a young guy trying to blaze your own trail? Yeah, you have to sell them your, your school um, that gives that, you know, big time, small school, big time wrestling um, mentality and you have to make sure they know that they're the guy you know those bigger schools might have four or five more guys in line right behind them and uh, you know we we're realistic we know that we know that that's a tough sale and that's a tough uh, that's a tough competition between him choosing us versus uh, you know Penn State or Oklahoma State but you have to try you have to put yourself in the situations where maybe this circumstance fits fits him better and maybe this circumstance will put him on the right path to success so there's just a lot of there's a lot of ways to look at it and to be intimidated and not go after a kid because of that is you know kind of not doing your job i guess so we have to make sure we we try for that uh you know but in the same sense if uh if you got a kid that wants you know aerospace engineering and you don't have it it's one of those things you just have to say hey man uh, good luck and if something changes let us know so now the the other new new era that you donned as when you came in is that you coach in the MAC and not in the PSAC, not in the EWL. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that I think is going to be, you could make the argument, you could make the argument, and obviously Missouri is the exception, but that's a very that's a different different deal all on its own, but. You could make the argument that the MAC is the most balanced league in all of Division One wrestling, besides the ACC. Is it though, is it though balanced? I mean, it, what do you mean by balanced? Because I mean, how often? I mean, the the split now is is pretty apparent in in the pecking order. I'm not certain that the that's that split is as obvious in your league. Are you talking about history, tradition? I mean now. I mean, I mean, like school resources. When, what are you talking when, about? When we roll the mats out here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think you know, obviously Missouri has you know probably the, the the biggest budget, but for the most part, I feel like you could kind of throw, and, and you know, Coach Moore's obviously done a good job, but I mean, I think for the most part, you could kind of take everybody out and sort of throw that and that be the, the preseason pick. I, I think that the balance there 
Okay. Yeah. It's, 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 it's wide open. You're saying, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I can, I can agree with that in the Mac. And I mean, even my first year in there going in, you know, like, I guess it was my second year coaching. Uh, it, it was one of those things when you would duel another Mac team, it was five, five, most of the time, five, five. And it was a lot of came up to bonus points when you were, uh, you know, you're looking at the final, final dual meet score. So yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, you know, you got to look at a rich tradition like uh, Central Michigan. Tom Borelli does an amazing job up there, and you got you know look at a, uh, a few other a few other teams. But yeah, I, I would say it's a little bit wide open um, currently. Yeah. Now, the MAC is certainly a lot different than the old days. Um, yeah. Pro con. Um. I'm neutral on it. I, I, I think the EWL had a lot of great values, a lot of little, its own unique feel. Um, but I get the reason why we joined the league. Uh, the, uh, you didn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but th- that being said, it, it, I think it helped us. It gave us, a, I, I love the big team, like the, the big conference event. I like having, 13, 14 teams, 15 teams of bracket. I like that. Uh, you know, you're going to have to wrestle four to four to six matches to possibly qualify for the NCAA championship. So I like that. It's a lot of preparation. It makes the event more prestigious, a little bit more, uh, you know, just a bigger, a bigger event it gives our guys a more reason to get hyped up and ready to go. Not to say they wouldn't anyways, but it just, it naturally, it's naturally built into uh, our schedule and it helps us out. So, I mean, and then the thing is, we dole those teams. We compete against those teams because we're all geographically close together. So it makes a lot of sense. And um, you know, I would be doling Kent and Kent and Buffalo, anyways, if I was still in EWL. So it worked itself out. It, it makes sense um, to that we're stronger together, and it helps us out in the long run. I believe so. I'm neutral with it. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm happy to be in the Mac. So we'll, you know, we'll see how it goes. Now, my con would be is that you know I've I've had some great, you know, experiences seeing you know Clarion wrestle at, at Rec Hall and you know Iowa, uh, Oklahoma State, you know the schools. So let me let me ask you that question: Does the Mac pinch your scheduling, in in terms of being able to have those big dual meets you know because obviously you know the, the wrestling community i think does a much better job of the, the big boys helping the, the smaller schools because we all know the places end up sold out when yeah. those guys come to town yeah i i don't think it hinders that much you have right now we we kind of say you have to have seven mac opponents on your wrestling um, schedule uh and, and you have a lot of other weekends available um to to wrestle uh a Penn state or bring Ohio state in or travel down there. So it's, it's a, uh, it's pretty wide open. It doesn't hurt us that much. What is your non-conference? Um, right now we have Pitt right now coming in. So Pitt's Pitt's doing a great job. So we're excited to wrestle those guys. A lot of, they had three national, two national finalists last year. They turned that thing around, but it seems like overnight. Yeah, they did a great job. Um, let me think. Actually we, we do, we, we compete against a lot of our, uh, Actually, most of the other dual meets are all MAC opponents. I think we have nine, eight or nine MAC opponents on our schedule right now. So, 
and then we have a uh, we go to Binghamton for a Binghamton Duels. That's pretty much the only other outside of our conference. Now, does the does the league help you in terms of getting guys slotted into the NCAA tournament? Um, if the league's strong, if guys are if you have good teams, yeah, it helps out a lot. So, but the uh, like you said, the the MAC right now is pretty dead even when you think of um, who's who and what's going on. So, um, obviously, having Missouri in their top five team every year helps us out because we know they're going to bring almost eight to ten spots themselves. So it gives us more opportunity um, for a in the middle of the road guy or someone that's just right on the verge of being good or peaking at the end of the year could maybe beat that Missouri guy on a bad day or whatever. So that. That is the uh, that is the benefit of having them in in your conference tournament. Obviously, a very strange year last year. Is there anything that you can look at it positively in terms of your roster experience? Um, yeah, I, I think it hit. We we, I think it was good for our team a little bit. Um, obviously, I can. Everybody blames COVID for something one way or another, and I'd be lying to say I didn't do that. But. Um, we got to wrestle our young guys, and they got a lot of matches in. They got to travel with the team. They got to uh, really have a free year of just development, and and we got to spend a lot more time with them in the competition setting instead of just redshirting. Not to say some of those guys that were in my lineup would have redshirted if things were normal, but it's a free year, so they have this opportunity to grow and get one year, you know, one year stronger, one year smarter, and be able to really look back at that year and look at it and say, hey, this was a great year, even though I didn't get the NCAAs or maybe a guy like Max Millen, my heavyweight, that's going to be really good, was behind John Spalding. He's going to – he got, you know, he got 12, 13 matches in, and I got to watch him and coach him every time. So it was awesome. So that was a, a positive part on the development. I think the other part was just these guys didn't know what the heck was going on for so long. I didn't know what's going on. So – they uh, really stuck it out and just, you know, really believed and trusted me. And I had to um, make sure, you know, giving them the best messaging I could to make sure they would have a season. And, and we want to make sure we don't want to lose our guys because of opportunities. So we, we did our best. I amend our administration and them really stepping up and making it happen with our new with our new president, Dr. Dell, coming in from you know, from the Clar- from Clarion, and she's been great so far, too. So we're excited uh, for the future of Edinburgh Wrestling. 814 Takedown, the, I mean, it's really, I can, I can feel the momentum building. I mean, people are going to be really excited about this, Matt. But uh, I say that somewhat seriously. I, it's my first, uh, I haven't been on anything I mean, like this before that long, so. I, I don't think I've ever, I've, I mean, I'm a, I'm a professional time <laughs> like, yeah. but I, I've never done a, I've never done a podcast. Um. Now the other, I mean, the the thing is, you mentioned Doctor Dale and, and resources. You know, that's the the number one uh, you know, dynamic, whether it's staff or your your regional regional training center. Yeah, um, you got to. I don't know. Do we count last year as a year? Um, I mean, do we count? Does this count to your overall record? Did last year count to your overall record as a coach? Do you know? I think. I don't. I, so yeah. What, yeah. I mean, so what yeah. year was this? This will be year four, right? Going into year four. Yeah. yeah. I mean, are you happy with where you're at? Are you happy with? I mean, because again, you know, you don't, you don't have the excuse of being, oh, well, we're just the Division Two school, and you know, our hand. Yeah, no, I'm happy where I'm at. I, I think, 
you obviously you're always going to be critical on yourself and make sure you reevaluate what's going on and how to how to improve your your daily uh your your daily you know development towards as being a coach but i'm pretty happy uh you know i catch myself um, being negative at times but i also know that there's a lot of great wrestling ahead of this team i have right now i'm excited to see them get on the mat uh and we're uh you know that extra year is really going to help us out too so we got a bunch of young hungry guys a couple guys that need to come out of their shell and i think we can we can get some uh get some guys really doing a lot of big things for edinburgh wrestling the next couple next year so maybe maybe even sooner than you know this march coming up so what's what's your expectation i mean you don't um i mean you've got yeah, we went over our goals yesterday as a staff. We had a staff meeting, and I, I mean, my expectation is uh, I want to have I want to have six national qualifiers. That's my expectation going into going into March um, after the conference tournament. You know, I think two All Americans is something we really have to push for. We need some guys getting to the NCAA tournament and having those you know Cal Canell moments. You know, when I was over at Kent State or having someone just come out, come out of nowhere. We need something like that. So looking for that, uh, just, you know, dull meet, beaten, you know, winning the tough, tough matches, winning those close matches. We need that to happen too. So, you know, we have probably what, 13, 14 total duels. I, you know, hopefully we get, you know, 10 of them, maybe 14 of them. We'll see how it goes. So goals, your program, you, know, you talk about where you're going to be there, your staff, the goals. What, uh, you know, you, Ernie James, Ernest James, your, I mean, what's, what's the staff going to look like, same as last year? I know we, uh, I mean, Ernest will be, is uh, my head assistant. And then I have two younger guys uh, that are going to be filling the spot for a volunteer and a second assistant. Uh, Tyler Vath, he wrestled for me, you know, just this past uh, March, and he'll be, he'll be, one of my uh, assistant coaches, a new new coach coming in this this fall, and then we got another guy named Sam Recco. He's a Edinburgh alumnus too. He coached over at a small school in uh, Lincoln, Illinois, Lincoln College, I believe it's called. Um, Go getter, super motivated type kid. Uh, anxious to see how he uh, develops our our uh, young team and works with them day to day. So we got those two guys uh, are going to be. Helping out day in, day out, and I'm excited to see where they uh, take this team. And I, you know, you, you talk about because because of a lot of because of your your predecessors. Um, in addition, you you have to be a, a fundraiser in, a, in addition to being a coach. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the job. So yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things that sometimes. You uh, get sidetracked and and need to focus back on that fundraising side of things, uh, but we got a great alumni base that's really gets it and they really know the um, the challenges that we go through and they make sure we do they they do everything they can to help us out. So you know we have our you know our Daytona 500 party, we got our our golf outing, we have a friends and families campaign, we have a 30 day giving challenge in April. Uh, you know, then, you know, obviously just, uh, good conversations and phone calls, um, you know, letting, letting, uh, the community and alumni and, um, our boosters know what we need to 
be successful and get to the next level. I'm sure when you were a a, a young wrestler, yeah, you were a uh, snarky kid that thought you could do it better. And I'm sure when you were an assistant coach, you were a snarky young kid that thought you could do it better. Now that you are a head coach, uh, I mean, do you do you reminisce about reflect on you know what you thought then and apply it to now? Yeah, I I think being in the position I'm in, um, I mean, you don't. It's still, you know, still not surreal times. I mean, now I know, but like when you're first year or two, you're like, man, I am, you know. I'm Tim Flynn, you know, I have to do that. I, I'm Bruce Baumgartner. So it was a little bit surreal. Now I kind of understand the gravity of it even more. And not saying I didn't understand it coming in, but, um, you know, coming into a school that I love, a school that I have a lot of pride in, uh, it, it's, it's just a, um, a great experience for me so far. But uh, And obviously winning and doing it the right way is important for me too. And but yeah, I, I I'd be lying safe like you know I Jimmy my buddy over at Kent State the head coach I I'm always like oh we should be doing this should be doing that and you know it's not it's it's way it's way harder than just saying oh we should be doing this and that obviously you know the input from your assistants is super super important uh, me and Ernest when we make a decision we go over it extensively on all the who, what, where, when, and how, and what's, how's this going to affect us immediate or five years down the road. So, um, but I like having that communication line. Me and he have a great, great line of communication and it's a uh, build on trust and just hard work and being on the same page. Does it, does it help? Or, I mean, be honest, does it sort of hurt, you know, having the, sometimes literally elephant in the room, Bruce Baumgartner, iconic name in, in the sport, president of USA Wrestling. I mean, it, I don't know if I've ever watched an NCAA tournament where Billy Baldwin hasn't interviewed him. Um, <laughs> is it, I mean, is, I mean, obviously he's around. I think, I, I think cause I always, you know, try to explain to like my friends, I'm like, you know, we see Bruce all the time. Like he's, he's Bruce. Like, but I mean, there's, it's, is that a, a shoulder you lean on or, I mean, do you have conversation? Cause I mean, he is one of the iconic, iconic names in USA wrestling. Yeah. Bruce and I have a great relationship. We're always talking about um, just overall program strategy, fundraising is a lot of it. Um, uh, just events and um, things that we have coming up. He's always involved. So Bruce is all Bruce is, Bruce is a great man. He's one of those people that you do get like a little anxiety when maybe you didn't do something right or something didn't go the way you wanted to. So you're like, oh man. But in the same sense, he's he's really laid back when it comes to understanding and knowing what you have to work with. And he's a, he's a great resource to Edinburgh Wrestling and just wrestling in general. So yeah. Funny story, leaving the NCAAs in Pittsburgh in 2019, I was walking out and the same, he, Bruce is walking out there. So he sort of stopped, waited for me. We exchanged our pleasantries. Next thing, David Taylor rolls up, and he's like, Bruce, dear, Joe, do you know David Taylor? I'm like, uh, yeah, well, I know who he is. <laughs> he sure as hell don't know who I am. <laughs> and I got and I, I got to walk across the street with now two Olympic gold medalists. Yeah, very, yeah uh, it's, it's crazy to think, like, I remember the first time I saw Bruce. I was a uh, 
I think I was a fifth or sixth grader, might've been my second or third year of wrestling. And, um, my, my high school, well, the high school I was at, they, they, uh, brought him down to do a, a speech at our banquet. And I remember I was in the bathroom and we're standing in urinal. I look over and Bruce is there, you know, it was just one of those things like, Oh, that's Bruce. And then, you know, then now I, uh, you know, go to his house and, you know, hang out and stuff like that. And, but yeah, Bruce is awesome. Super, uh, great great resource for us it's you know living legend you know only a you know stone throw away from you know where we're at right now so it's just cool to have him in the community yeah it's uh, he and his wife were out playing golf and stopped and talked to us in the backyard yeah like when you're here you take that for granted but you know a lot of times people are and rightfully so awestruck yeah. by it because he is such a a large figure uh literally and figuratively um i think it was nine medals total for the men and the women um, yeah, you know, I, I it, it can't be bad for business. Um, and obviously, you know, you, you don't want, you, you certainly wouldn't want, uh, John Spalding to run into Gable Stevenson in, uh, in the NCAAs, but, uh, you know, what is it, is it, how big of a deal do you think they can carry, you know, not only, I mean, there are, it feels as if they're, it, it's not, it's not just Penn state anymore. You know, where forever it was just Iowa, and then it was just Penn State. Feels like the pools get a little deeper. You know, Stanford had their scare, and you know, then they ended up with an NCAA champ. You know, what's the what's the what's the health? Take take the temperature of the sport if you could. Uh well, it, it's uh, you know, got some you know, like a Stanford turning around. It's it was great for the sport of wrestling, and then you get a guy uh, like. Rob Cole going over there to be the head coach and, and you have, you know, Mike Gray stepping in right away and he's, you know, over there coaching Olympians. And so, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see some of these shifts. Um, I think the sport of wrestling is strong. Um, but you always, you always got that, you know, that elephant in the room of, well, you know, if Stanford can, can be cut, well, you know, what other school can, but it didn't. So it worked out. So, uh, you had a school like, you know, old dominion all of a sudden just dropping off out of nowhere. So it gets a little, a little scary, but, um, I think the media and the excitement around wrestling is the best it's ever been. The, the, uh, the technology with events is super easy to follow. Now you can get results. I was, and I was going to ask you that. And yeah. Brought, we like to call this a segue. I'm not very good at it. Yeah. Uh, we sat around my house several times, uh, six feet apart, wearing our masks, of course, <laughs> um, watching the Nittany Lion wrestling club and, and the stuff that, do you think that there is a chance maybe now because of the, you know, flow or rock fin, that there might be actual real professional wrestling? Mm. I, I don't know. I think, I think the model has been built and then it kind of crumbled and we built another model. And I think what professional wrestling now is, is the, the clubs that have been started and they have a revenue system either through sponsorships or donations that allowed to pay these athletes to be in their club. So um, maybe look at these clubs as a franchise. Now I know over, over the uh, COVID timeframe when college wrestling was supposed to be going and uh, uh, those clubs did fill the void. I know the, 
you know, the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club wrestled the Wolfpack Wrestling Club at NC State, and that was awesome. Like, I think there was a ton of hype about that, and that could be where it, the they need these people need home bases, and these clubs are their home bases. Um, I know they tried the real pro wrestling thing before. But do you think? Do you think that this? Will be. I mean, I'm. Listen, if if somebody tells me that David Taylor's wrestling, I'm watching. I mean, you know, do you think they're because of this, and and especially, you know, I I want to see, like, I want to see Hayden Heidley get another crack at at, at Jason Null. Like, I want to see that. I mean, that if if these kids are going to train for the Olympics, they they're going to need a home. I mean, why would that not be paper? No, worthy? I I think the Rokefin world and. I think Flo creates it too, and I'm sure there's probably some people out there that are going to be creating some more. Um, I know Spartan Combat's coming up strong with a lot of their uh, their promotions and stuff like that. So I think there's going to be these events where these guys get paid to just show up and, and wrestle. So I don't – yeah, I get, it's just a different model. I think we have to view it differently, Not not the same as – um, as he's like league starting up, it's more of just these guys have a home base and they're paid by their club and then they have a vent and they show up and they wrestle in this, you know, this bout series against, you know, maybe two or three other opponents. So I think it's a lot better. Trust me. You, you talk, you get a guy like Bruce on here. He could probably tell you what, you know, what, what kind of money he was making when he was, you know, training, you know, full time and winning Olympic gold medals. It's not even probably close to what, you know, a, a David Taylor, a Cal Dakis right now. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I think that because that's the, the unique thing about, you know, wrestling is that there is not, you know, for the most part, there is not this big payday at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. And it's, and it's probably a more difficult grind than any other sport. Yeah. It's tough on your body. I, um, but I think, through the, the RTCs and clubs, they're creating a like more opportunity so that, you know, David Taylor and Cal Dake, I think they both have two kids and, you know, they, they have a family and wife and they're making pretty good living doing what they're doing by following their dreams. So that's a, it's a really cool uh, thing to see. I'm not saying wrestlers in the eighties and nineties didn't do that, but uh, they're, they're doing it as full-time athletes, full-time wrestlers. A lot of the, you know, a lot of the guys that, came up through they had to be coaches and stuff like that or live out of the back of a van or rely on a crazy guy like dupont to uh you know float the boat yeah. yeah float the boat so yeah so well as we near the end here i want to ask you a if you were king for a day oh man if you got to make a sweeping change in the collegiate landscape what would it be in wrestling or just sports like wrestling Ah, uh, I think we have some. I think we should allow uh, red shirts to compete like twenty percent of our schedule. I think that's gonna happen. So I guess I'm not a king there, but that's so. What football is four games, isn't it? So twenty percent of your yeah. schedule. So yeah. it's very similar, and and it keeps keeps those kids interacted, keeps them uh, ready to ready to ready to compete any moment, and make sure they're they're doing the right things. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. What would I do to change the landscape of college wrestling right now? I'm gonna have to come back to you on that, our next, you know, oh, 
What would you? What, what would you like to say? More made for TV events. Yeah. I wouldn't mind a uh, like a thirty second break, like in the match. Well, I mean actual made for TV events, like where you would see. Maybe you have Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa, and they they do a non non counting event, just an exhibition, where you would put, you know, maybe Oklahoma State. NC State's pretty good, you know, where you would basically have like an all star. Yeah, I think. I well, think. When would you do it? Uh, well, I mean, what would be the harm to do it prior to the full season? Well, that's where you got to get the clubs, probably the to get that uh, that that made for TV opportunity, but also get their athletes paid through that revenue and stuff like that. So I think that's a great idea and have a, and, and, and will ESPN pick that up? I don't know. Well, you know, ESPN has like 17 networks. Yeah. I mean, there is, they, they have inventory. Yeah. I mean, you know, the ESPN, you does some, I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing that's changed, obviously it's, it's helped that it's big 10 schools, but I think the big 10 network has done a spectacular job. Yeah. Because you could watch every Sunday afternoon if you wanted to, you can watch two matches. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They've done a great job. I I, I would like to see a a wrestling media outlet do like an ultimate club duel weekend type thing that would create a a lot of hype and you get you get these matchups or you know make it even. You don't want. You know, all of Nittany Lion. I mean, Nittany Lion Wrestling Club is hands down the best right now. So we have to make sure it's an even kill, you know, event. But uh, but they actually have, they have a lot of other guys that are in the club that are actually college athletes that would would benefit from you know wrestling in those type of events. So um, well, it was certainly fun. And of course, if you'd like to email uh, maybe suggestions as to something you'd like to hear us talk about, or if you would like to suggest a guest it's 814 takedown at gmail.com and of course you could follow us on twitter you might be the first or the second <laughs> but hey i'll be the second all right <laughs> there you have it so thanks for joining us this was fun i think right Maybe. yeah i like it i i you know you're the talent as long as you direct me in the right way to talk and figure out what the Maybe, heck to do get some guests and yeah we'll get we can get a uh we can find some people. I think we know some people. Yeah, so. we know some people. So. All right. It was fun. We'll do it again. That's uh, Matt Joe. Hill. I'm Joe Ludnuski. It's 814 Takedown in the maiden voyage. And I think we brought all of our passengers <laughs> back to dock. Hopefully so. our kids are still alive downstairs. Maybe. Goes. All right. It was fun. We'll do it again soon. It's right. 814 Takedown.